Welcome to the Mahabharat Podcast. The lands of Nazareth, those of Mecca, the Sea of Galilee, are examples of places regarded by many to be sacred, owing to particular events that are said to have happened there. The events may be confined to history, but an intrinsic value is placed in the minds and hearts of people who may associate with these places. The word sentiment is derived from the Latin sentir, meaning to feel. Linking a place with what happened there can certainly invoke sentiment or feeling. Friedrich Nietzsche said, to not be absolutely certain is one of the essential things in rationality. This certainly holds value in being pragmatic. However, to be fixated in every avenue of our lives on rationality alone has also shown to be almost unbearable for the human mind that is capable of contemplating limitless possibilities. Of the 18 Parvas of the Mahabharata, 13, and indeed the most prominent 13 of the epic, make reference to Ram, the king of Ayodhya, and descendant in the solar line of King Ikshvaku. The stories of Ram are indeed regarded as the royal crown jewel on the body of the Vedic teachings in many respects. The incarnation of Dharma, or justice, Emperor Yudhishthir, his mighty brother Bhim, the son of the god of wind, the blind king Tidrashtra, as well as the immortalized sages Narada, Vyasadev, Markandeya, and Lomasha, in their discussions and counsel all cite the great Lord Ram. The Mahabharat talks of an Ayodhya that existed long before the time of Ram. The Mahabharat also talks of an Ayodhya long after the time of Ram. Much perspective there is to be gained in looking at longer timeframes of history and its stories. The word Ram has meanings in 11 branches of the Vedic schools of thought and language, as well as in the Jain and Buddhist teachings. In Sanskrit, the first order or literal meaning Ram means pleasing, delightful, or gratifying. 
With the Mahabharata being the single most comprehensive source of all Vedic teachings, there isn't only one Ram that features in the epic. There are three. Firstly, there is Parshuram, where Parshu means with an axe. Parshuram, the son of the sage Jamad Agni, was a great warrior sage who annihilated the warrior race 21 times, creating the five famous lakes of blood. After the excesses and abuses of power on other sections of society by the warrior class. The second, and by far the most cited than any of the other Rams, is Balaram, the brother of Krishna, an incarnation of the Naga Ananta Shesh. Bala means strength. And thirdly, is none other than Ramachandra who is Vishnu incarnate, the supreme being who took birth in the city of Ayodhya. In order to understand the descent of Vishnu or Narayan as Ram, it is important to understand Dharma and its decline during the cycles of time. The Vedic ages are defined according to this inevitable rise and fall of the ages. Some of these ages are named based on their quite literal meanings, and others referring to the quantity of Dharma that remains standing on the earth. The Vedic body describes Dharma, the translation of which is subject to much discussion, but broadly meaning righteousness, truth or duty, or an encapsulation of all of these concepts. Dharma in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is known as the Amala Puran or the Spotless Puran, given its focus exclusively on the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is depicted to take the form of an innocent white cow, as white as a lotus flower. The legs of Dharma are described in the very first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, in the story of King Parikshit, the descendant of the great Arjun. King Parikshit sees an innocent cow with tears in her eyes, the cow representing Dharma, whose legs had been beaten by a man who was an incarnation of the age of Gali, the final and dark age. The four legs of the cow were established by the four principles of austerity, cleanliness, mercy and truthfulness each of which would fall with the turn of each age. The Satya Yuga, the first age, or the age of truth, with the governing principle being that of austerity. The Treta Yuga, meaning a collection of three things, which may refer to either the three incarnations of Vishnu that appeared in that age, namely Vamana, 
Parshuram and Ram, or the three legs of Dharma that remain standing after the fall of austerity at the end of the Satya Yuga, and representing the principle of cleanliness that remains along with mercy and truthfulness. The Dvapar Yuga, meaning the age of two, representing the principle of mercy that stands remaining along with truthfulness. And finally, the Kali Yuga, the age of darkness, or quarrel and hypocrisy, the current age that represents the last remaining principle of truthfulness, and again on its path of decline as the ages mature. Linguistically, Ayodhya centers around the word Yud, meaning to wage war, and has a negation of this by virtue of the A at the beginning. And so some scholars and scriptures have implied the word Ayodhya to mean not to be fought. In other words, invincible or unconquerable. The text Satyopakhyana offers a slightly different interpretation by understanding Ayodhya to be a city that cannot be conquered by sin. So well defended was Ayodhya that in the Skanda Puran, the scripture devoted to the god of war, Skanda, there is a section entitled the Ayodhya Mahatmya, meaning the glories of Ayodhya. Ayodhya was for an extensive duration of time the capital of the kingdom of Koshala, the capital of the Ikshvaku dynasty, the Solar dynasty, known as the Surya Vamshis, descendants of the sun that Lord Ram was indeed born into, and which remained very dear to his heart throughout his life. The Surya Vamshi line began with King Ikshvaku, who came from Vaivasvat Manu, and includes the snake Dakshaka, as well as a king whose daughter married Lord Krishna. Other prominent kings in the line of Ikshvaku that came before Lord Ram include Prithu Maharaj, Mandhata, Muchukunda, Harishchandra, Dilip, Bhagirati, Raghu, Vishvamashaha, who was a contemporary to Kuru King Hasti, the founder of Hastinapur, and King Nemi. After Ram, there were also numerous prominent kings in the solar line of King Ikshvaku, including King Nishad, King Ruru, Nagnajit, and the snake Dakshaka. In previous times, before the Treta Yuga, the Vishnu Puran also cites that the swathe of land known as Ayodhya was called Saketa. Saketa means that with houses or buildings. Given the more advanced architecture, that Saketa 
was home to. And today, Ayodhya, several millennia later, is known to be an ancient city located in the north part of India, in Uttar Pradesh, not so far from Nepal and Tibet. In more recent history, Gautam Buddha is said to have lived in Ayodhya for some time. Jain texts also cite Ayodhya as the birthplace of the Tirthankas, or original representatives. After the 1700s, it is said that a temple was made at the birth spot of Lord Ram. However, the precise date is not known, and over time, this temple was ordered to be demolished by either Emperor Babur or Aurangzeb during the Mughal reigns of India that lasted from 1526 to 1761. This remained the status quo beyond the Mughal rule, and also when the British Empire governed India from 1858 to 1947. The city of Ayutthaya in Thailand was named after Ayodhya and is the birthplace of the founder of Bangkok, King Ram I, from 1737 to 1809. The former Prime Minister of Singapore, Lee Kuan Yew, had a background highly accustomed to both the Chinese and Indian cultures and civilizations. He was raised in the 1940s and spent many of his earlier years, those of formal education, in the United Kingdom, at a time when the West was at its prime and shaping thought across the developed world. After reading law at Cambridge University in 1947, Lee Kuan Yew known as Harry at the time, a name given to him by his grandfather, began his career as a lawyer in the city of London. Lee Kuan Yew would go on to be known for his trademark way of breaking down multiple arguments and points of view on highly contentious topics, those too that were high profile and often heavily weighed in history and forming compelling views that were of great significance nationally, regionally, and globally. Lee Kuan Yew took this exceptional ability of his and was the foundational pillar in building Singapore to what it is today, an economy and nation that continues strategically to excel globally. Lee Kuan Yew in one of his final addresses to civil society in his role as Prime Minister in July 1990, entitled Change and Continuity at the National University of Singapore, said, There is something about ancient civilizations 
both India and China, you may say superstition, that the Kuan Yin or Tao Pek Kong are all superstitions. You may say Ganesh, with his blue face and multi arms, is again superstition. But it's given succor, comfort, relief to successive generations for thousands of years. Who are you to say that your Bible is not superstition? Srila Prabhupada in 1968 said, Ayodhya is not bound up with any material worlds. And so any quest to bind the material and the spiritual may take a certain paradigm shift.